Welcome to the Salted Carmel Podcast from Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Parish. We have the opportunity to hear individual faith stories as people share their personal connection to Jesus Christ and share the gospel with others. I'm Jody Curtis, a parishioner, and with me is my inspiring co-host, David Cook, the Stewardship Director at Our Lady Mount Carmel. David, who's our guest today? Our guest today is Steve Kale. Steve, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, how are you feeling? Nervous. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put you at ease. It'll be fine. Like you said, the Holy Spirit will lead. That's that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, then I'm so inspiring. I can just inspire the story. It's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> there you go. All right. Now I'm going to get smited for that. Okay. <laughs> what uh, was your faith life like before you knew Jesus Christ? Well, I was raised Catholic. My parents were Catholic. My mother was a convert to Catholicism. Uh, so that was in my life, my whole life. And um, we practiced um, going to, we went to mass and we prayed at dinner. And I always saw my mother um, say in the rosary, uh, she did that uh, about the same time every single day, her mm-hmm. entire life, which was quite inspiring. Um, my faith life, I, I prayed, I did what the teachers and the sisters and the priests in instilled into us as I was growing up. Uh, for the most part, I was I was there. I was on board. I, but I'd say in the, my late teens, I had doubts. Even after I had been confirmed, um, there was a period when, not to be disrespectful, you could regurgitate a lot of the Bible. I, But was it mine? Um, it was my mother's, my father's, my pastor's, my teacher's. Mm-hmm. But did I own it? Mm-hmm. And so I went through that period in my late teens where I was trying to uh, discover that for myself. And unfortunately, that was even after my confirmation. But I did have that period of time where I struggled. Yeah. I love it about thinking about when do you make it your own, right? Yeah, I was just and, thinking we should change the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When did you make the faith life your own? Yeah, I like that too. And then, so did you have one concrete moment or anything specific happen in your life? I did. Shortly after that period, uh, I was married um, in my early 20s. I married a young lady who had a child and... Uh, then once we were married, we had a child, and it was shortly after his birth, uh, about six months after his birth, she walked out. She wow. abandoned all three of us, and uh, oh. I, during that period, I was so devastated. She had touched every aspect of my being, and trying to gather up um, and continue on to take care of those two boys, it was me and the Lord, and that's when I grasped hold of my roots and embraced my faith and I owned it at that point and wow. have ever since. Definitely seems like a, a rock bottom. So what uh what was that experience life like that made you turn to the Lord? Like what what did you first do? Did you first just go to Mass? Did you first go to the Adoration Chapel? Did you start saying a rosary like your mom? I prayed a lot. Um 
I don't call it praying anymore. I talk, call it, I'm having a conversation with the Lord. We'll say grace at home. And one of them, one of the children will walk through the door and it's like, you need to have your own conversation. We've already said grace. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the I, as I was struggling through day-to-day routines and trying to be there for the boys, um, moments when I was struggling, there I would have those reflections that time uh, alone. Yes, we went to Mass. Yes, we prayed at dinner. Um, yes, I said the rosary, but I think it was the day in and day out. It's like, Lord, I need your help right now. Yeah, hmm. I'm really struggling, and I needed to be something for the two of them. And in a lot of ways, I put um, myself on the back burner to take care of their needs. Um, I bet. So that was that was a challenging period in my life. Yeah. And what is your life like in Christ now? It's on fire. I. <laughs> I'm a UPS driver, and so I'm alone a lot during the day, and we have lots of conversations. Mm-hmm. I, 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 sometimes I'm doing the talking. Sometimes I'm trying to be still and listen. Um, but uh, there's a lot of prayer that goes on in my life. With uh, my, I remarried in my late 20s, and Rhonda and I have uh, six of our own children. Oh. So... Um, Oh, and I wanted to put a plug in there about annulment. I went through my annulment process um, about four years after all of that happened uh, when my first wife walked out. And I am a huge advocate of that. That was one of the most healing moments of my life. The baggage that I carried in my life up until that point, um, it helped me sort through all of that and pick myself up and dust myself off and basically prepared me for her. Yeah, that's huge. I love hearing about it as a healing experience, because I know for some people it can be a long, drawn out process. So it's good to know. Time heals the wounds, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's all for a purpose. That's for sure. Well, that's a good plug. Do you have any other plugs? (laughs) Well, here comes the big one. (laughs) This happened to me um, on February 4th. Uh, 2001, so just over 20 years ago, we, Rhonda and I, and then our five, our five children went north uh, into the northern part of Illinois to Mass. Uh, one of our nephews was going to be baptized after Mass, and our youngest was 14 months old. So with the traveling and all that, his uh, sleeping pattern was all messed up, so Dad got up in mass and took him back to the back, and we're walking around dealing with um, his um, irritability, <laughs> who hasn't been there. Yeah. And uh, while I was back there, so we had the first reading, the second reading, the gospel, the sermon, and just about the time that the um, it was the offertory procession, I'm back there in the back by myself with him, finally starting to fall asleep on my shoulder, and I had this overwhelming sensation that I was literally, I mean literally, in the presence of the Lord. It was like judgment day. I was before the throne of God. And I was so incredibly frightened. All I wanted to do was run and hide. There's nowhere to hide, folks. There's, I mean, in that moment, I don't know where it came from, but it, it, it just enveloped me. And I I was like, you're crazy. What are you thinking these thoughts? You know, trying to push it away, push it away, push it away, because the consecration was getting ready to take place. So I'm fighting these this judgment day thing, and 
accountability in all of this. And I kneel down on the floor with him on my shoulder, and I lower my head to um, concentrate on the consecration at the altar. And I've always closed my eyes during that. I don't know who taught me that. I don't know if it was my mother, my grandmother, some teacher, but I've always done that and removed one of my senses so that I could focus. There wasn't any distraction. So when I heard the bells ring, I lifted my head and looked to the altar while I'm fighting this whole thing I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing back there. I looked to the altar and the, Lord, the Eucharist was illuminated. A brilliant light was about the Eucharist. You could see it. I mean, it had its own entity about the Eucharist. And again, I immediately, I could, it's, it's the light. It's just really thin. It's the lights from up above. It's reflecting up off of the um, the patent and the bowl and the chalice and everything, everything but ex- what was happening. And um, Father brings it down. He sets it in the patent. And now this light is all about the um, where the Eucharist is on the altar. And and I lower my head and close my eyes, and I'm like, okay, you're crazy, you're crazy. <laughs> this isn't happening. Um, what is wrong with you? And that whole sense of flight still there, you know, run, you know. Um, and Father continues with, with uh, the Eucharistic prayer. And then the bells ring again, and I look to the altar, and the chalice is over his head, and now it also has all this light about it. Wow. And... The same thing. It's like, oh, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm in the back. It's, it's this, it's that. It's anything but. Um, <laughs> I can't wait for everyone to stand up and say the Our Father because all I want to do is go back up and sit with my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I will return to the pew where my family is, and my son's asleep on my shoulder. The uh, We get to the point where the uh, uh, ministers um, come up that are going to assist in the, the Eucharistic ministers come up and they back then they made a, a circle, semicircle behind Father. And every one of them were given the Eucharist. And then they all consumed it together. That was how it was 20 years ago. I remember. I remember this real well. <laughs> <laughs> so I turned to my beautiful wife because I'm desperate because I still see the light. The altar is still illuminated where the Eucharist is. And now all of these Eucharistic ministers are holding this little light in their hands. Mm. And I turned to her and I asked her if, uh, I said, look at the Eucharist. Do you see what I see? And my wife looks at me with, after being married for a period of time with this look of God lover. Why are you talking to me right now? (laughs) 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 But I I was so desperate. So I, I, I told her the Eucharist is illuminated. Do you see it? And she looks, and she looks back at me, and she shakes her head no. And that was the moment when I finally surrendered and said within myself, yes, Lord, here I am. Hmm. It still gets me to this day. And that immediate, um, that, that sensation of accountability, of judgment, whatever, left me at that very moment. I sat there in the pew. Well, I wasn't sitting, we were kneeling, but I watched everyone else go up and receive communion, and every one of them were given this little light. Um, It was beautiful. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. And um, then it was my turn to usher my family out, and we went up to the altar, and we received communion. Um, 
you can only imagine I was incredibly attentive at that point in time. (laughs) So after mass was the baptism. And we were just there to witness. We weren't godparents or anything. But I'm standing there listening to the godparents and the parents and the commitment that they're making to their, their child and to the Lord and to their faith community. And I'm recognizing within myself I've made the same commitment. I made a commitment when I was confirmed. I made a commitment the day that that Rhonda and I were married, and I stood at the foot of the altar, and I said, yes, Lord, I would be what he had called me to be for her and for our future children for the rest of my life. I remember being asked, did I come of my own will and without reservation? Very similar. I'm not putting myself in the same hemisphere of of the Blessed Mary and uh, Joseph, but they kind of had the same moment, yeah. mm-hmm. and they weren't given a blueprint yeah. of what it was going to be like afterwards. Nobody told Joseph that you know nine months later you're going to be fleeing into the desert and trying to <laughs> save the, your child and your wife from the, an army that's been sent to kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't get any of that. Mary didn't know what she'd have to witness with her child one day on the um, on a cross. Um, so here's that accountability. So I don't look at my children the way I looked at them prior to that moment. They're our Lord's children that were, as each of their little bodies was growing within their mother, he placed their soul in that little body. He built the bridge between us. And my role in their life is to lead them back. I'm the mentor. I'm the spiritual leader of the household. My role is to get to get them on the railway that leads them back. And my wife is obviously my helpmate in that. But um, I liken it to, I love this story, that Jesus told the apostles um, about the um, master and the three servants, and he gave them each the gold talons. Mm -hmm. And then he had expectations of Mm -hmm. them. Later on, when they were brought back, what did you do with what was entrusted to you? That are, that's these children. This is the gold that was given to me. And the day will come when he says, what did you do with what I entrusted to you? So it was very heavy that day. And it's impacted my life ever since. Um, wow. So we have a lot of conversations with our children prior to that. We were dotting the I's and crossing the T's. We were going to church. They were in Catholic schools. We went to Mass, you know, we prayed at home, but now there's conversations. We talk about our spiritual lives. We talk about um, their faith journey and how was God involved in this choice that you made in your life? Um, where, where's God in this? Um, I remember with each one of them um, when they were in elementary school, moments where they would come home and I wouldn't see them participating during mass because, you know, peers thought that was just too uncool, you know. (laughs) And I'd ask them, I'd say, why are you empowering somebody else and allowing them to decide for you what your relationship with God's going to be? That relationship's more important than your relationship with me, with your mother. If you don't have this, everything else has no meaning. And um, you can't empower somebody else. You need to be the person that encourages them. And never let anyone come between that and you. 
So we started like uh, in our pews, we would like race through the missile to see who got to the uh, readings first, who got to the songs first. Now they have them open. Now they're participating. They ready, yeah. yeah, but they do that to this day. They're adults now. And if we were there as a whole family, you can hear the pages flipping. You know? <laughs> they're still racing each other to get to the songs, but they participate, you know, and um, there'd be moments where they talked about Church is boring. Mass is boring. And we'd have conversations about how the Lord fills mom and dad's cup. But the Lord will bless you a hundredfold. But when you go in there and you give nothing, 100 times zero is zero. You walk out with what, you know, with nothing because you gave nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, that really rang true with all of them. They all kind of understood that. Um I'm proud of the fact that they all practice their faith. Mm-hmm. We had many, many conversations about my faith, mom's faith, the brothers or sisters' faith. What about oh. yours? It needs to be yours. And you can't let anyone come in between um, the two of you. And then I would remind them of um, how important it is to, to not let that relationship become stagnant remind them of somebody that might have moved away when they were younger and when's the last time you thought of that person and it don't even enter your mind anymore, the same thing will happen here if you don't beat it. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm getting off. No, it's beautiful. It is it's beautiful. Parenting 101. Yeah. Um, Imagine what would have happened if you had that Eucharistic vision without the baptism after. Like, See, that's right. what I'm saying. He that knew what he was doing. After is right. perfect to make you realize that your kids are the the gold. I'm incredibly embarrassed, though, that it took me probably 15 minutes to get to the point um, where I surrendered. Um, I know I'm just a human being, and but my goodness, you know, it's like... He, he, it's almost like he clubbed me upside the head. <laughs> you know, I want your attention. I want your attention. That just happens to be the way the Lord got my attention that day. Um, it's, be- I, it's better than never surrendering. That's yes, this is true. This is true. <laughs> Some people don't surrender after 60 years, 60 plus years. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, Steve, thank you for sharing such an incredibly beautiful story with us and our listeners. You know, we like to ask people what keeps them salty in their faith, uh, which is why we named it the Salted Caramel. So what keeps you salty in your faith? Well, I have, first of all, I have all these kids, and there's something different coming at you every single day. I love uh, my time in the chapel. Uh, I love. I, I like it from the standpoint that when I go into the chapel, I don't have to be dad. I don't have to be a husband. I don't have to be an employee. I don't have to be part of any group or membership or whatever. I can sit there and just be me. And uh, we have our conversations. I never hear them in my head or out loud. It's always in my heart. But I pray an awful lot for wisdom, clarity, and strength. Wisdom and to get the big picture, um, not just what's obvious, but what's out there in this decision that needs to be made that's um, going to infa- affect people that you don't necessarily see right off the bat. A clarity to, to understand what God's will is in the moment and strength to act on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I pray that a lot. I've prayed that many, many times. If I can act on it, there's peace. 
There's never what if, um, regret. I can move forward regardless of whether someone thinks that what I did was stupid. I know there's peace because I know that I, I acted on God's will and not mine. So that's a nice, that's beautiful. We like to do a, a call to action um, each week. And one thing that you said that really struck with me as you actually reach out to your kids and ask them about their faith life. I think my relationship with my mom got tremendously better, tenfold better once we actually talked about our faith life. That's going to be my call to action is to actually sit down with your children and intentionally have a conversation about your faith life, about their faith life, about how you guys want to improve it together, how they can claim it as their own. They're my faith, your faith, dad's faith. And if you don't have any kids, you should go to the chapel and sit down with the Lord to talk about your own faith life with him. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful place to be. Yeah. And leave it all on the other side of the door. Just mm -hmm. go be what the Lord created you to be. And surrender. Nice. That's awesome. Well, let's end with a prayer. Do you want to pray for us, Steve? You want to have a conversation let's, with God? Let's <laughs> have a conversation. <laughs> let's say in our Father, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, and stay salty. <laughs>